Hello and welcome to another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt once again joined by beloved internet celebrity Angel. Over the seasons we have talked a lot about your forays into the world of Hollywood and since you know Earth Juice isn't really taking off how you wanted it to, it seems you have set your eyes back on striking it big in La La Land. You specifically love being involved in prequel movies for franchises that have lost some steam. In your opinion, there is no better way to add to a story than to just go back to the beginning and then go further back. So tell me, what movie property do you think is most in need of a prequel today? Well, I, we discussed this off... off uh, off mic. Off mic <laughs> in the past. I believe uh, a, a movie that re, uh, needs is in good need of a prequel is, is the Terminator series. Is there not one? <laughs> no. <laughs> are they all sequels? There's been so many goddamn movies in that franchise. I don't know what's what anymore. I, I don't. I don't. I believe there is it. So a, a prequel would just be like people living their lives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just Sarah Connor going to work um, in the eighties. It's the uh, the how Cyberdyne systems came to be a very tech savvy story, but mm-hmm. nothing unusual there. Some guys doing code. Maybe end they, of movie. Maybe they come upon <laughs> they come upon some strange chip that seems to uh, advance technologically, but. We don't actually go into how they get that chip. Mm-hmm. Well, this leads exactly where I was going here, Angel. This is where your agency called Retcons comes in. As as we know, you have a very, very busy schedule with all of your hobbies. So you have made this agency to outsource your love of prequels. With some succinct research, you identified a group of people with a lot of time on their hands, that of imprisoned convicts. Your agency then gets convicts involved in script writing and production, where you have upwards of 400 different potential prequel scripts in the works. Why did you find convicts to be the perfect labor source for this? Why wouldn't you think about it? You said it yourself. They have all the time in the world. Um, the wages are are cheap, dirt cheap, dirt cheap. <laughs> yep, and they're not in the screenwriters guild. And 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 they also, uh, you know, they respond well to the idea of them having had a hand in making some sort of a creative uh, endeavor and, and to have it be in a film. So clearly, the name is a play on words. Retconning being a term to describe giving new information in a story that provides a, a different interpretation of events or story elements mixed with the word convict, which is, of course, a person found guilty of a criminal offense and has to serve some sort of imposed prison sentence. And I, so I have to ask, is is this a situation where you, you came up first with the name and then tried to get the convicts to write prequel movie scripts? Um, No. It just all fell into place. Yeah, it was. It was. It was actually. Um, you know, I had the idea for the 
for the prequel stuff and I approached the convicts and then I also said, you know what? You guys can even come up with the name for the company. Oh, so they came up with the retcons. Well, they came up with the ret part. I had to fill in the rest. <laughs> it was a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the, the top three prequels your retcons are looking to make? Uh, top three. So I mentioned the Terminator series, but that's not uh, top three, I don't think. That's just your favorite that you want to come out. Yeah. It's going to be a labor of love. Ocean's Eleven. It's going to be an Ocean's Ten. Is there not one? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think the sequels are Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen. <laughs> I just assumed there was one. <laughs> I just need an Ocean's Ten. And if there is one, then Ocean's well, Nine. Who, who better to know than the convicts? Yeah, yeah. So I'll just bring them up to them. the idea up to them. I don't have a specific name, but I have a general concept for this other one, which is a prequel for any biopic. Like a uh, like a Ray Charles prequel. Yes. And uh, and the number <laughs> and the number one uh uh prequel. <laughs> Again, it's still a concept, but it's a prequel of a prequel. Uh, so like uh I'm blanking on prequels at the moment. <laughs> like Inception. Is that a prequel you ask? No, it's Is not. Is that an Inception joke? <laughs> no, it's not. I just, uh, I'm hoping for Inception to be a prequel. That's, I'm putting it out there, you know? Right. Into the you universe. could have another agency that writes sequels just so you give the retcons more work. It's, <laughs> it just flows. Yeah, it's, uh, shell companies. Mm-hmm. Just do straight to DVDs. <laughs> no, straight to streaming, man. Oh, yeah. Get on Netflix that Netflix originals. Yep. Yep. <laughs> They'll grind that movie out in three months. It'll be uh, out by March. We'd have that movie out. Currently working with a Disney Plus. Not Peacock, though. No, no. Screw them. <laughs> so, I uh, hope for the best for retcons. I think it has a better foot than uh, maybe Voices of an Angel. That hasn't gone too well. Hasn't been too many calls back for that service. Nope. nope. So... Why don't we take a look? We just have one news article for this week because it's a it's a doozy. It's a lengthy one. It's going to have some heated discussions, Angel. I I can already feel the heat emanating from the blood as it boils in your veins. That is going to come from this article from the New York Post titled Futurists Predict How Well How Will Eat Vacation and Work. So, now I'm not going to read the entire article cuz it it's a, it's a lengthy one, but it starts off, forget about Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, and all the talk about a metaverse. The real future will be a world that is a convenient and scary and fantastical, at least according to futurologists. As this year ends, here's a glimpse at what life may be like one day. 
Facial recognition is already common for phones, but in 30 years, it's quite possible that you will not use a key or even a credit card. You'll use your face or iris to make purchases and open locks. Uh, recognition will be that good, said Martin Ford, author of Rule of the Robots, How Artificial Intelligence Will Transform Everything. The scary thing, though, will be if someone hacks your biometric data right now, you can t you can call the bank to change your PIN or cancel your credit card, but you can't cancel your biometrics. But the solution that might be as simple as swapping out your eyes and implanting them with bionic peepers that provide up <laughs> updated and impenetrable information to open your house door or buy a bagel at a local deli. According to Future Timeline, by the late 2040s, lab-made uh, lab retinas will, only, will not only be as good as biological eyes, but will also come souped up with add-ons such as built-in cameras, zooming capabilities, and special night vision adapters. Meanwhile, digital currency will be more than just money. Coins and other crypto-related items according to um and there's actually a spot here where they don't say according to the article just doesn't mention a name that's modern online journalism though well uh <laughs> according to nobody will come implanted with inflexible contracts one example could be an nft ford told the post referring to the digital artworks that are all suddenly the buzz you buy one and it may have a contract built in that will bring revenue to the artist when you resell it. Funds in the form of Bitcoin or some other crypto will automatically be transferred to him or her. The projection is that we will need three, uh, three million more artificial intelligence engineers by 2030. Thomas Frey, founder and executive director of Da Vinci Institute, a futuristic think tank in Colorado, told The Post, We'll need people to be drone command center operators who will fly surveillance drones, which, Frey believes, will play a role in stopping crime by providing eyes everywhere, responding to gunshots picked up from sensitive receivers all around cities, and following criminals until police on the ground can cuff them. There will be people hired to sort through real-time data to, say, figure out which playgrounds have the fewest mosquitoes at a given time, Frey added. So let's pause here and discuss, Angel. So far, we have an increased reliance on biometric data so we can buy bagels. Our eyes will have cameras in them. We will live in a crypto and NFT hellscape. And drone command centers will be God's eye in the sky to watch everyone. What's your opinion on this? Well, quite frankly, I'm hoping not to be alive when this happens. By, by 2030? <laughs> That's right. In 10 years, <laughs> you got nine years left. I will be six feet under. <laughs> uh, you're going to be buried with all your NFTs that you bought. <laughs> well, yes, but, you know, that's that's a different thing. The biometric eyes thing is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, we're going to have uh, cameras in our eyes. And I like the idea that like, oh, you can just get a new eye. Like, that's not going to be hella expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that part, I was like, I don't know about that one so much. Mm -hmm. the, the funniest example they give is that people will, will sort real-time data to figure out which park has the fewest mosquitoes. Like, this idea that if, if we have the capability to have cameras in our retinas, can't we just make an algorithm to interpret the park mosquito data? Yeah. Why would why would people have to do this job? 
Well, you know, because people need jobs or something. I don't know. Because the, the three million uh, engineers that they need in the future are going to have to have jobs. <laughs> in three million people in, in uh, nine years. <laughs> so here are some other things that the article states. Predictive policing will become more common. Law enforcers will look at data and make predictions about where crimes will occur before they happen. Can you think of a single issue with that? I can think of a whole movie about that. <laughs> the precogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a, uh, any problems that would come of that besides a single detective uh, like being framed. <laughs> just 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 the one detective mm-hmm. yep. no one's going to be marginalized by that at all the article then goes on then there will be kinds there will be kinds of jobs that seem incomprehensible right now asteroid mining will take place we'll have an, we have an asteroid belt in our solar system that and rocket pilots will find asteroids that have certain rare earth minerals, Ford predicts. They will be mined, get brought, to the, get brought back to planet, and be sold for boatloads of money. Is, is asteroid mining really incomprehensible right now? I have a question about <laughs> asteroid mining. Let's, <laughs> let's say we can mine asteroids for stuff. And we're bringing it back to, I guess, Earth? Back to planet, he says. <laughs> back to planet. That's some, some really shoddy writing in this article in the New York Post. And it makes me wonder, like, if we... Imagine if we just continue this practice and then we just say, oh, you know, sc- screw space exploration. We're just going to keep mining asteroids and do- staying on Earth. Wouldn't our planet then be overrun with extra things resources yeah like i don't know how that works like we're bringing in outside resources into the planet would it somehow adjust or would we just be Um, made out of metal at some point i don't know there's it certainly won't cause any environmental hazards i can't think of a single issue no i mean why would it with it's natural many (laughs) that many uh spacecraft going and coming and going to planet i mean it'll work fine we're just replenishing with all the stuff we're getting from the asteroid. <laughs> and then we just start mining the space junk, like some sort of Futurama episode. <laughs> the space junk meter. Um, uh, we then get to the best possible prediction, Angel. People will pay a lot to get perfect water, believes Frey, but it will be exactly what you should be drinking. It may have more potassium, vitamin C, or oxygen. I mean, maybe Earth juice has a future. You know that 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 water certainly needs its oxygen. We we <laughs> know what hap- we know what happens when oxygen is not not enough oxygen in the water. A movie has been made of that. <laughs> yep. We People go back in time. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> and there's crab people in the sewers. Um <laughs> crab Aren't there already waters that you can buy that have enhanced minerals in them now like that's a whole business it is and it's still pointless <laughs> why is why is Frey predicting that we'll have our perfect drinking water because it'll be exactly perfect mm-hmm. whereas yeah. these mineral waters just have inexact amounts <laughs> yep i mean he just he hasn't had some earth juice touch his lips <laughs> 
And then uh, the futurist then begins to toss a handful of predictions out that I'll, I'll just summarize instead of reading the whole article. So robots will be making our hamburgers or foods in general to special order and add trace elements such as fluoride or zinc to enhance our health. Due to lab-grown meat production, people will desire more exotic meats like wombat, penguin, and, Angel, the ultimate food, bumblebee. How about that? You want a bumblebee hamburger? So we don't Do eat bumblebees bum- have meat? We don't eat bumblebees <laughs> now because of reasons. But now that we can engineer them, I guess it's okay to make bumblebee meat. I'm making six hundred pounds of bumblebee meat. Also, if the robots are making my was it burgers, sandwiches, one of those? Mm-hmm. And they're putting pretty much anything, and they're throwing stuff in there with zinc and whatever. Do I really need my perfect mineral water? Water. Then we're getting a lot of enhanced nutrition in this future. We're gonna end up with a lot of uh, uh, overdosing on these things. So to have fun in our our in our authoritarian hellscape, so we'll have space hotels. The article has a quote from Thomas Frey. There probably will not be golf or swimming pools, but there, but there may be rocket races that you can bet on. We'll want to go to places we couldn't go before. Maybe there will be vacations that can be taken in the center of the earth. I mean, Angel, what kind, what kind of, what, what the hell kind of background do you need to be a futurist? Vacations to the center of the earth to do, to do what? Get burned alive by... By temperatures that are as hot as the surface of the sun and be crushed by pressure? Look, I don't know if you saw the the Total Recall remake, but <laughs> the center of the earth is hollow and void. <laughs> Need to make a prequel. Stat. <laughs> is that the one with uh, Colin Farrell? Yes. I did not see it. Oh. Well. Did you? Th- yeah. The earth is, the, the center of the earth is completely, well, I guess it's not hollow, but they somehow dig a hole through it so that they can travel quickly from one um, from Australia to the UK. I think it was. How how long would it take to mine a hole through the earth? <laughs> and 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 how and how would you prevent all the the molten rock to like uh-huh. from in the pressure? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> it's like the movie The Core. I think they did the they. <laughs> For some reason, I have to go to the core of the earth to cool it down. Maybe to, I don't know. To remember. make a to make a vacation spot. <laughs> uh, another quote is: "There will be luxurious hotels that exist under the sea and fish farms in the ocean. There will be floating cities and zoos with animals that you can't imagine. <laughs> Already, there are plans to revive the woolly mammoth. Genetic engineering will allow for something close to the saber-toothed tiger and other species that we have never seen." He says. How about floating cities? I, again, cannot foresee a single issue with floating cities. Can you? Not at all. Why Why? Why? Are, why is floating cities such a... Why is that something that people want? Like, all the sci-fi it's, movies... It's because all the rich people can go there, and then you have all the mutants live on the <laughs> ground floor. That, that, every sci-fi <laughs> program has depicted this exact scenario. And then, ultimately, the city falls to the ground. And everyone kills everybody. Yep. (laughs) 
that's pretty much the end of the article. It goes on to other things about uh, rich people having designer babies and um, artificial wombs to make an endless supply of humans. So uh, more hellscape-like scenarios in the future. The worst hellscape is no more Hollywood. I know. Can you imagine that world? Uh, it does go be, into deep fakes. Everything's deep faked. I, I my retcons <laughs> is over because what's the point? I'm sure they get the computer to write the script. The the best part was it said maybe the offspring of current celebrities would play play their parents uh, with deep fakes. I'm like, well, why why would you even need the why? offspring <laughs> to make them feel useful? I guess. <laughs> So I think the futurist dude is like trying to be like, ah, there's some optimism for the future, I guess. <laughs> Only for the offspring of Only. celebrities Only and the, the three million engineers. Nepotism uh, at its best. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose we will have to wait to see if any of this will come true in 40 years or even 10 years from now. I'm looking forward to my bumblebee meat. <laughs> With that being said, we do not have 40 years to discuss this episode's entity. That was the Flatwoods Monster episode that went 40 years. An entity that, possibly Angel, is shrouded in a cursed aura. Do you ever feel like you've come in contact with an extraplanar demon who is besieging you with misfortune and bad luck? Oh man, almost daily. What's, what's been the worst extraplanar uh, misfortune? from a demon um i think it's the constant scratching at the window and whispering my name that can't be fun i mean it's like tinnitus ringing in your ear mm-hmm. but with a demon scratching on your windows it just never ends yeah and you know some people might hear that and say that's not that bad but you tried dealing with this for 15 years of your life can't even drink your earth juice in peace and quiet tell me about it Oftentimes, we see curses or events that are so plagued with mystery, it is easy to understand how how some people can look for a paranormal answer. In your opinion, though, what would be the most mundane mystery to solve with, uh-oh, you just done got cursed? Uh, like, I guess dropping your buttered toast. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. That's an, an inconvenience that everyone has, has felt. A an air of disappointment is in, is about you. Uh, you begin to question: Is my floor <laughs> clean enough? If I pick up my buttered toast, if it fell buttered down, mm, if it fell non-buttered down, I think I'm eaten. <laughs> if it doesn't fall buttered uh, butter face down, then you're not cursed. Plain and simple. Is that like um, <laughs> is that like a penny that you find heads up? It's good. It's a good omen. <laughs> That should be an idiom. (laughs) My buttered bread was (laughs) butter side up. Things are looking butter side up. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's from the 1800s, but maybe I'm mistaken. For some people in Detroit, Michigan, going as far back as the 1700s, the source of ill-begotten fortune has been the Nain Rouge. Now, the Nain Rouge is described as a possible Lutton or Hobgoblin from French folklore. 
The Nain Rouge differs a bit from the traditional Luttons of yesteryear, as those creatures are described as trickster entities in some fashion, in, in similar fashion to brownies, which we discussed last episode. The Nain Rouge, as we will see soon enough, seems to push his tricks to a whole other level, to the point of burning down an entire city, for example. So this is classic prank show television to me, Angel. At a certain point, you prank the wrong person and they attack the prankster or someone gets seriously injured. So in your opinion, how far is too far for a prank? When does it cease being a prank and crosses that line to something beyond? Well, I've seen some pretty, pretty horrific pranks. And I guess, I guess it crosses the line when other people start telling you, hey, not cool, man. Not cool. Oh, you got the not cool, man. Yeah. Some some old dude just shaking his head at you. <laughs> yeah. So is the Nain Ruse just oblivious to morality, possibly? If a Lutton pranks you by doing something like tying your hair in knots as you sleep, the Nain Rouge seemingly ups the ante, and his pranks potentially end in the deaths of 40 people. Is it safe to say at that point it is not a prank? I think pranks are like uh, like flirting, where everyone seems to treat it differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some people think there's an angle, and some people just say, no, you just do the thing, and that's it. They don't expect anything. <laughs> and some people bring it to the level of sexual harassment. Yep. It's the whole spectrum. Oh. So what do you think was the 1700s equivalent of saying, dude, you're on camera, it's just a joke? I I imagine I like to imagine that there is a uh, a point in the distance where the guy would point at and say, "Look," and then there's like just small crowd of people just watching. I thought you're gonna say, have be pointing into a mirror, <laughs> like, "Look, it's your future husband." Oh no, <laughs> that actually would be uh, better. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> According to the weird Michigan book by Linda Godfrey, the Nain Rouge is described as having blazing red eyes with rotten teeth or looking like a baboon with a horned head, brilliant restless eyes, and a devilish leer on its face. He's also described as being between two and two and a half feet tall. What do you make of of this description and why does every damn entity need red eyes? (laughs) Well, I feel like I think it's implied that the red eyes in a dark room would be glowing. I don't think anyone ever explicitly says that in any red eyes description, but I imagine that red eyes are something that you would see in the dark. (laughs) As for the other stuff, Uh, rotten teeth, uh, baboon with a horn head, like like, it's almost like a little, a little, like like the stereotypical devil. Uh, Yeah, pretty much, except miniaturized yeah if warwick davis was the devil um oh, but well, you know he doesn't have rotten teeth he has very nice teeth <laughs> i think i feel like i've seen him no he's played a troll before he was the leprechaun that too <laughs> so basically warwick davis le- leprechaun but red <laughs> i think is the name rouge <laughs> yeah now and add some red eyes now this is all a situation where you would never want to see the name rouge as the appearance of the entities typically right before disaster strikes i want your opinion on this angel should we be attributing disaster to the name rouge a la mothman as a harbinger of doom 
Or is this like a Steve Urkel situation where he fumbles, trying to be helpful, falls through a table, which causes a lantern then to crash to the ground, which in turn torches the entire house as he looks to some bizarre non-existent camera, like your 1700s prankster scenario, <laughs> breaking the fourth wall, and then he says his catchphrase? Uh, I think it's more like in between. I feel like he causes this stuff on purpose, and people just mm. kind of see it as, oh, when we see him appear, something bad's going to happen. And the, impl- the implication is that because he's going to do something bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So would he be causing these scenarios if he wasn't seen? It's a good question. And what in our like drone hellscape, when all of our drones are in the air constantly watching, wouldn't it just be mass calamity all the time? If if there's if there's a a name rouge found on those cameras, then yes. Mm-hmm. And but then, because I'm sure there has to be some sort of like Rougarou esque rules here. Does somebody have to be watching the video feed? Or what if the the drone footage was never viewed by human eyes? Does the Nain Rouge say, uh, doesn't count? I, and then I'm, giggles and, and skips away. I'm going to employ the bird box rules in this. That's the name of the movie, right? Yeah. Um, There's a scene where the guy's like, well, what if what if I watch the, the video cameras, the security cameras? And they're like, no, no, don't do it. He's like, it's not the same as actually looking at the thing, so it'll be fine. Um, it turns out it's not fine. No. So I guess I think somebody has to spot it. But what if it was infrared camera? Is the is the name Rouge infrared? <laughs> I they could pick it up. I don't know heat vision. <laughs> heat vision. I mean, once you see just a red spot, you're like, what is that? I guess it's the name Rouge. <laughs> it's the name Rouge. Yep. <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't know. I think I made more questions than answers already. <laughs> Hopefully, in our exploration of this entity, we will be able to separate fact from fiction. Are you ready? Only because I hate arguments. I'm saying yes. <laughs> Since this Nain Rouge seems to be a strange deviation of the Lutton, it is supposedly spawned from, I thought, we should do our own deviation, Angel. This time, we shall look at Cotton Eye Joe's idiom. The group of words established by usage has as having meaning not deducible from those of the individual words, which states, if it hadn't been for the name Rouge, I'd been married long time ago. <laughs> which is the words from Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Aren't idioms great, Angel? They... They are like curses. They can mean whatever the hell you want them to mean. I suppose. As an aside, did you know versions of the song Cotton Eyed Joe have been around since the 1800s? You mean it's not an original? <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not a Euro dance band Rednecks original. <laughs> Euro da- What? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god. A band called Rednecks did the, like, 1990s version of the song. You mean to tell me I can remake this song, and because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a classic, I don't have to pay royalties to anybody? Uh, no. I don't believe so. I mean, it goes back to the 1800s. Hot dog! 
<laughs> Hot diggity dog. I think we found a new hobby. <laughs> the story of the name Rouge, according to author Marie Caroline Watson Hamlin, in the, believe it or not, 1883 book, Legend of Le Detroit, <laughs> begins on the 10th of March, 1701, in what she describes as the banquet hall in the grand old castle of St. Louis in Quebec. The subdued shaded lights bathed the room in mellow radiance, where around the table, resplendent with costly silver and sparkling glass, sat a party of French officers. Amongst those well-to-dos, the movers and shakers of the French-controlled New World was that of Antoine Lamay, also known by a new identity that he gave himself, Angel, Antoine de Lamothe, Sieur de Cadillac. And there we have it, Angel, people in history giving themselves new names just like us. <laughs> Antoine, in his new identity, is eventually responsible for the founding of Detroit. If you got transported back to 1701 North America, what would your new identity name be? I think it would, uh, I'd go the same route as Antoine, give myself some sort of French name, and it'll be something like Cornichon. Cornichon? Cornichon. Something like that. It means pickle in French. Um... (laughs) So I'll keep an eye out for that name in the history books, just in case in the future you do go back in time, I will know the code name that you use now. <laughs> I'm sure by 2040 we'll have time travel, according to the futurists. Yeah. Uh, and John Titer too, I think. Uh, I guess that depends on GM, though. Really, they have to buckle down. <clears throat> they have to get the buckle and buckle get down. the buckle, exactly. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. The book goes on, another idiom, get the buckle. <laughs> the book goes on to describe the party, which was in honor of Antoine. In brief, they were getting drunk on wine, and whilst wildest merriment was at its height, a servant whispered something into the host's ear, wherein the host stated, Misers, <laughs> an old fortune teller craves to enter, shall I bid her do so? How many times have you been multiple bottles deep of wine with your best bros and a fortune teller shows up, Angel? There have been many a time where I thought that was happening, but it was just more people getting invited. I long for the day for fortune tellers to show up at my door. And then you're in the backyard and puke. (laughs) That's a totally different situation. (laughs) It's a different occurrence. Yes. (laughs) So it's like that old idiom. Close, but you aren't fortune teller showing up drunk yet. I guess. <laughs> you haven't, haven't heard that one? No. No. <laughs> must must be too old. They then invite the fortune teller in, who is described as a woman of unusual height, a dark, swarthy complexion, restless, glittering eyes, strangely fashioned garments, yet in harmony with her face. She d- introduces herself as Mère Monica La Sorcerée. Upon her left shoulder was perched a black cat. What do you make of this fortune teller? Well, it sounds like she's very goth. She's like peak fortune teller. Yeah. This is what every fortune teller strives to be. Yeah, uh, the stereotypical air of mystique and a black cat 
of the unusual height? Is it too tall or too short? You know what? I was thinking too tall, but now that you mention it, it could be too short. And Would it be better if she was like two and a half feet tall or seven feet tall? Well, I'm thinking in, in the short sense, I'm thinking of the, that lady from the Poltergeist films. <gasps> the one with the crazy voice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, sh- how does she say things? <laughs> one of the quotes from that... Uh, it might be a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where Arnold got that line from? <laughs> Kindergarten so. cop? I think so. There you go. And then I suppose this black cat, uh, very much in history, black cats, and it, it's even mentioned a little bit in this story that the cat whispers into the fortune teller's ear. So the idea that the cat possibly be could be the devil himself whispering into the woman's ear uh, as some sort of uh, familiar for the woman. So eventually she begins reading palms and she gets to Cadillac where she basically tells him he will found a great city, have many children, and he will sell liquor to the natives against the advice of the Jesuits, which will come, which will cause him great ruin. His colony will then become the scene of strife and bloodshed, and under a new flag it will reach great heights. You will bask in a sunnier climate, but France will claim your last sigh. If a fortune teller tells you, Angel, that selling liquor to Native Americans will be your downfall, do you heed those words or you double down on the liquor selling? That's a very specific thing to be your downfall. I I mean I I don't know why I wouldn't listen to that if if I'm being told don't sell this to these people I'm I'm going to be like okay have you ever heard of a more specific fortune <laughs> I mean like usually, usually they're shrouded in like in idioms um I mean if aura. if a fortune teller is telling me something very specific I'm going to I'm going to listen cuz it's like hey they don't like you said, they don't typically give specific fortunes, which means they know something. They know that the bicycle is in the basement of the Alamo. <laughs> yes. Are you going to do a Pee-wee uh, prequel? Isn't there one already? Oh, I guess the TV show. But a prequel to the TV show? Like young Pee-wee? Like young Sheldon? Young Pee-wee. That's perfect. <laughs> Just do uh We're going to do keep doing prequels and, and we go down the family history. You know, the generation yeah, is a permanent young Pee-wee and then it's going to be Pee-wee's <laughs> parents and then grandparents and so on and so forth. Uh, meet the Hermans, <laughs> the good, the bad, the Herman. Uh, there's many that you could do. Yeah. Like a Wild West version of and we could do a lot of period pieces this way, too. Yeah. Just span mm-hmm. all the generations and genres of film. Have a very Adams Family-esque like background history that's in those movies of just like one-line names of characters from years gone by. (laughs) Yeah. Cadillac then asks if his children will inherit all of his possessions, and the fortune teller responds, Your future and theirs lie in your own hands. Beware undue ambition. It will mar all of your plans. Appease the name Rouge. Beware of offending him. Should you be thus unfortunate, not a vestige of your inheritance will be given to your heirs. Your name will be scarcely known in the city you founded. Cadillac was basically like 
uh, sure, whatever, and <laughs> continued enjoying the party. Now, the book described the name Rouge, also known as the Red Dwarf, and the Demon of the Strait, and in an old tradition is described as the most malignant, if offended, but capable of being appeased by flattery. Malignant in the sense meaning uh, very evil. Is this a square and rectangle scenario, Angel? All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Are all Luttons brownies, but not all brownies are named Rouge? Um, what is it? All Bogarts are brownies, but not all brownies are Bogarts? <laughs> it's just like that. Like He fits He fits the, the peg, but um, he's not the same shape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm starting to uh, see a pattern with these household spirits and these types of things. I think they're all just uh, related. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like how humans and apes are related. I think this is the same situation. They all have a common ancestor, and then they diverged into their own mm-hmm. little species. Yep. I thought you were going to go into some sort of domesticated ape <laughs> theory. But... I would never... <laughs> That 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 all all fey folk are Phoenicians. <laughs> that territory remains with J. Michael. J. Michael. The book Michigan Legends, Folk Tales, and Lore from the Great Lake State recaps the same story, but tosses this tidbit in Angel. They know the name Rouge, being the people at the party, migrated here from Normandy, France, and is the particular haunt of Detroit. I don't know how they know that because Detroit hadn't been founded. They know that you mock the name Rouge at your peril. How does the name Rouge migrate across the Atlantic Ocean, Angel? So just get on a boat? I think it got there just like the French did by swimming. Did you ever see the movie Cabin Boy with Chris Elliott? Uh, I want to say yes, but I barely remember it. Like There's a part where he, he rides the back of the shark man. Uh, and I'm not positive the shark man's his father. I can't recall exactly, but uh, he like uh, rides his back. I imagine it being like that. That's what the name Rouge did. <laughs> Rode the back of a shark man all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. That sounds uh, legit. Otherwise, yeah. Can they just skip across the water? I imagine since these are, I imagine all these creatures are going to be somewhat magical. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they have some sort of water capabilities, but enhanced swimming. Yeah, super Superhuman fast swimming speeds. <laughs> super fast swimming, and that's never you know a thing that they're they're known for. <laughs> ever ever a story ever told about them, but they got it. Yeah. A few months after the fortune teller incident, Cadillac founds Detroit, and life just gets better and better. The fortune teller be damned. Fast forward six years at a Maypole festival in town, Cadillac is going for a short walk along the river with his wife, feeling the moment and supposedly ecstatic over how much his children will inherit and how he will go down in history as a great man. Just a normal thing to think on a walk with your wife. Walking towards them are a pair of men discussing the poor conditions of their life, such as how the rich of Detroit have it all and the poor are suffering. One of them says the rich won't last long because his wife saw the Nain Rouge several days ago. How can a harbinger of doom be a harbinger of doom if after their appearance several days ago, 
calamity has not yet struck. So, like, what, in your opinion, is ample time to pass where you can say, uh, I guess it wasn't a warning of impending doom after all? I mean, perhaps the, the Nain Rouge has, you know, downtimes, too. He just wants to hang out and get some lunch. Sometimes people recognize him as the Nain Rouge and they're like, oh, no. And and then they run away before he says, hey, hold on. I'm I'm not going to do anything yet. You think he could do the Raphael-esque, like, trench coat and hat and not be <laughs> identified? Can tell. It's a giant turtle. <laughs> turtle. <laughs> the perfect, uh... Perfect disguise. Uh, yeah, disguise. <laughs> or is he similar to, like, The Ring, where he she gives seven days? Is there any instance of this happening in, within seven days, or, like... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Not really. I don't think it's usually it's usually pretty immediate. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think he's I don't think the name Rouge is gonna be like Ooh, seven days because he he's not trying to be scary. He's trying to be he's trying to be prankster, but you know malicious prankster. Do you think if he were to talk in his Fey language, it would have a French accent? <laughs> yes, yes, he would. Is is there many main Rouge or is it the main Rouge? <laughs> The ultimate question that I think is going to have to be a question to be added on the rubric. Mm -hmm. So the mention of the Nain Rouge puts Cadillac's wife in a state of terror. And then he basically shoves it off as like, this is all dog shit, woman. It is that at that exact moment, the Legends of Le Detroit book states an uncouth figure of a dwarf very red in the face with a bright, glistening eye. Instead of burning, it froze. Instead of possessing depth, emitted a cold gleam like the reflection from a polished surface, bewildering and dazzling all who came within its focus. A grinning mouth displaying sharp, pointed teeth completed this strange face. What do you make of the eyes, Angel, and really the rest of the description? Well, it says it's a glistening eye, so kind of... Confirms that they're glowing in mm -hmm. some sort of way. The red face is still, I guess, a thing. It does give them that very devilish aspect to them. Yeah, it's, um, for some reason, <laughs> it says a grinning mouth. I, I kind of picture, like, the Greek goblin. The William Defoe helmet? Yeah. Goblin. <laughs> um, to me, the description makes, makes them seem almost artificial. In this instance, like the, what does it say? The polished surface, almost, of the look of the eye. So is this an instance of someone was trying to prank Cadillac? So the two men walking by just happened to mention the Nain Rouge, a creature that, believe it or not, just happened to pop out at that almost exact moment, and its eyes are suspiciously like a polished surface. Was this not an 18th century episode of Scare Tactics? <laughs> I mean, if they're trying to prank him, isn't that what the Nain Rouge is doing anyways? <laughs> uh-huh. A prank of a prank. Is this a Spring-Heeled Jack copycat-esque <laughs> moment? There's a lot of uh, converging cryptid theories here. <laughs> Cadillac in this moment is, is basically like, what the hell is this stupid shit? And strikes the entity in the head with his cane saying, get out of my way, you red imp. 
To his surprise, the entity mockingly laughed and vanished in a split second. His wife, nearly scared stupid, tells him, You were told to coax him, to beware of annoying this demon, and in your ungovernable temper, you do just otherwise. Misfortune will soon be our position. Miss Cadillac, a woman with a a woman with a way with words, it seems, as misfortune will soon be our position, is possibly the greatest way you can say you done effed up. What would be the top three things where someone should say misfortune will soon be our position, Angel? Uh, number three, answering trick on Halloween. <laughs> oh, that would like make me like just want to leave the house as a child <laughs> like no i don't I, I didn't sign up for this <laughs> uh number two hearing a twig snap while camping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh for number one misfortune will soon be our position when your phone battery's on low <laughs> mm-hmm <laughs> I think uh, rather than the twig snapping, I would ante up the uh, woman crying in the darkness while while you are camping. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) And and if you're David out camping, don't open your tent. (laughs) Because he's going to get taken away again. Poor David. I wonder how that that story ended for him. Not long after, Cadillac is arrested in Montreal, and he had to basically sell all of his belongings. He then goes to Louisiana and dawdles around until eventually he goes back to France, where he ultimately dies. Of course, it is said his children inherited nothing. Should Cadillac not have tried to pimp cane whip the name Rouge Angel? Well, I'm, I'm conflicted with this, because yes, he should not have. But at the same time, what a badass thing when somebody's like, look, it's the imp. He's like, get out of my way. Like, I don't care about this crap. I don't got time for this. I, I've got to be thinking about how great I am not dealing with you, Red Imp. <laughs> I need to think about the next name I'm going to choose for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about um, faking his death and seeing how many people show up to his funeral <laughs> to see if his wife cries or not. Then he pops out and says, you're not crying, you're out of here. (laughs) Classic. So where then did the Nain Rouge go? Over the years, he has continued to pop up near disasters. In 1763, when the British controlled Detroit, they were in heated combat with the natives. This culminated in Pontiac's uprising. The British tried to ambush the natives, but got word the Nain Rouge had been seen nearby. Ultimately, the ambush is a terrible defeat for the British, and it is said the nearby Parents Creek runs red with the blood of the British at that time, thus going down in history as the Battle of Bloody Run. How could the Nain Rouge have impacted this in your mind, Angel? I believe the Nain Rouge had made a deal with the natives. and you know, A treaty, a almost. Tra- a treaty, yes. But unbeknownst to them he is a prankster so he says yeah you uh the british are now defeated but i'm gonna screw you over with the newly formed americas <laughs> and going through all of the Nain rouge history we have cadillac founding detroit we have chief pontiac this all like feels made up <laughs> yes <laughs> 
but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Just over 40 years later, it is said the Nain Rouge was seen once again. A man smoking a pipe is sent by a baker to harness horses in a small stable on St. Anne Street. Because why wouldn't the baker send a guy to harness some horses? (laughs) That's what bakers do. And a spark from his pipe falls on a pile of hay. Winds seemingly then pick up and out of nowhere... What was believed to be a not-so-serious fire explodes to engulf the entire city, save for one building. Supposedly, the Nain Rouge was seen darting from burning building to burning building at the time. How bad would you feel, Angel, if your pipe burned down over 125 houses in the rest of the city? I wouldn't feel too bad because it wasn't me. It was the Nain Rouge. (laughs) Yep. Or that's not a moment where you say... Did I do that? <laughs> and then leave? Just walk away. <laughs> and walk away. Do you do you stay around and help rebuild, or do you um like not fess up that you you were the pipe guy? Oh, I mean, of course I'm gonna help out, but was it me? No, no, <laughs> nope. definitely not me. It, it was the horse. The horse. I I don't I don't smoke. Sorry. <laughs> we need. We need Night Horse to <laughs> to investigate. Horse, check the shelf. That's where you find the unlit the cigar. tobacco pipe. <laughs> then he neighs and runs off. As Detroit burns, it was the Night Horse that did it, actually. No one would expect him. Our next reported encounter comes in 1812 in one of... The the arguably biggest military blunders of American history, as William Hull reportedly saw the Nain Rouge walk out of a dense fog, which possibly prompted him to surrender the newly rebuilt Detroit to the British during the War of 1812. Without even a shot fired, he surrendered and was later court-martialed and sentenced to death for cowardice and neglect of duty. Is that worse or better than the dude who burned down the entire city, Angel? I think... I think it might be worse. <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, the only military American military general sentenced to death for cowardice. But it ended up not being so bad for Hull, as he was pardoned by James Madison and was just dismissed from the army due to his great service in the Revolutionary War. So he was not put to death, and he lived, uh, I believe, like another 20 years or so after that. Believe it or not, one of the people that helped the prosecution angel... Martin Van Buren, the little magician. <laughs> mm-hmm. In 1884, a woman said to have been attacked by a leering red baboon-headed dwarf. This this one seems outside the normal duties of the creature, right? It's like attacking people Spring Hill Jack style? <laughs> he just straight up attacked the woman. <laughs> a red-headed... Not a red-headed, a red baboon-headed dwarf. Not a red-headed dwarf. I mean, is is that not the same thing? <laughs> I mean, he's red anyway. It's going to have a red head. <laughs> red red baboon head dwarf. So that just means the head was baboon shit. Like, the rest of the body was just human. But it's a dwarf. <laughs> How does... It, this is... Yeah, this is... 
you mentioned Spring Hill Jack, and yeah, Spring Hill Jack was only uh, known for attacking at least one person. Everyone else he was just scaring. <laughs> he scared the one guy in the in the wagon, and the the wagon crashed, and the guy broke his leg. <laughs> so is this is this uh, Spring Hill Jack's like uh, offspring in a deep fake? <laughs> Or is it like Game of Thrones style with uh, Tyrion, where he's the dwarf? I don't know. And he's like the the bastard of the family, so they sent him to the Americas. And he says, to "Get rid of him." I'm just gonna attack women. <laughs> one time, I have one chance to do this. You're the woman, Miss 1884. The weird Michigan book states several citizens reported an infernal imp brazenly strolling the streets during the five days of riding that left 43 people dead in July 1967. Another encounter the book features is that two telephone company workers saw what they believed was a child climbing a telephone pole in 1976. As I went to attempt to save the child, it scurried up the pole and took a 20-foot leap to the ground. And one of the men described it as having red skin and a beard once he got a better look of it. The next day, the city was hit with a crippling snow an ice storm that apparently is still talked about today. What is your overall opinion of these encounters, the modern day encounters? It's just like the other ones we've dealt with where something happens and it's just attributed to that thing for some reason. Like, oh, I, there's a cold snap. It must have been the Nain Rouge. <laughs> what? Yeah, so did he cause the, the ice storm? Does he have the powers of weather? Does he storm? I mean, it's if it's written down, it's it's official. It's attributed. Yeah. He has the power to control weather patterns. Yeah, so he's a pretty powerful. Brownie can't do that. That we know. <laughs> it's not. It's not written down. Maybe yet. in bogger bogger form. form. <laughs> Ruined your life with the ice storm. The name Rouge is just a bogger with a name. He's like a boss bogger. <laughs> he's the one you fight after you. Yeah, that's the end. <laughs> After you kill all the other boggarts, he's the last one. (laughs) Today, the entity continues as a parade of sorts. According to a Metro Times article, Wayne State University law students Francis Grunau and Joe Ohl had a beer-fueled idea to have an event similar to Mardi Gras each year where people could dress up and drive out the Nain Rouge to usher in a new season of change. How about that? So, anything you wanted to add, Angel? Wait. There's a way to drive out the Nain Rouge. Uh, the, it's it's all it's all a parade. I don't think they're actually doing it. <laughs> Did they... It's it's a uh, I said I guess you can say a metaphor. <laughs> all these times they didn't know how to drive it out, but once they got they came up with the parade idea, they're like, that's how we'll do it. Oh, there's a friggin' guy that dresses up in a red mask and he rides a a cockroach car. So there's a lot going on in this parade. Is there a hobby horse? And then there's a wicker man at the end. Someone gets burned a lot. That I'd like to see. Um, gotta appease the 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 Nain Rouge. So, uh, and then Christopher Lee's in a dress. <laughs> so it's interesting that you mentioned one of the encounters was the the British losing, because I feel like the British have captured the spirit of the Nain Rouge and developed the TV show 
in Britland <laughs> called Red Dwarf. Now about space mining. <laughs> it is a, a sci-fi comedy show, and most likely uh, the name of their ship is called the Red Dwarf. But it was most likely, or at least uh, to uh, con- to deceive, probably named after what is a star, a type of star. Mm-hmm. And I just like the beginning of this sentence on the Wikipedia page for the Red Dwarf because when I first read it, I. I forgot I was reading something that was scientific, and it just read, it read like something like a, a kid wrote. It, it goes, a red dwarf is the smallest and coolest kind of star on the main sequence. <laughs> I can uh, I can picture Cat from Red Dwarf saying that line. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does a James Brown like split and uh, Moon walks away. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so it's my belief that the show, the TV show Red Dwarf, is actually... A digit televised version of the Nain Rouge in which the British have captured it and have control over it. Whenever the show comes on, you know some impending disaster is going to happen, which happens on the show. And the Nain Rouge is causing And it is contained within the show. And thus, the mm-hmm. British have control over this, this creature now. Have him, like, trapped in a, in a cage? <laughs> yep. Like... They're just like they're like siphoning episode ideas out of its brain. (laughs) Sort of like your retcons. (laughs) It's funny because the show is still going on, surprisingly. Red Dwarf is still going on. I came back for like a season. Well, it's uh, let me see if I it's well, it says here as of 2020 and then it goes to mention the cast. I'm like, wait, what? Mm. It says so here the production. The first series aired in 1988. 11 full series and one miniseries has been produced and a feature length special was released in 2020. Damn. And it's it's like a classic English shows. There's like seven episodes a season mm-hmm. with like five years apart from seasons. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Is the name Rouge just Smeg? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. How about the powers of the Nain Rouge? So the powers are, I mean, we discussed this thing can do lots of stuff. It can cross the Atlantic. We don't know how. (laughs) Maybe by literal word of mouth. Man, wouldn't that be a hell of a transportation (laughs) trick? Like somebody talks about you and you're able to... Like uh, Bloody Mary out their mouth. Yes, <laughs> that's a great idea for a horror. <laughs> I guess it can control the weather. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that already. <laughs> um, it's a prankster that can s- set a whole city aflame, and I guess attack a, a single woman. <laughs> Has the powers of assault. <laughs> God, what a what a strange creature. And you know how I feel about aggressiveness. So the power gets uh, gets a three from me. Not too bad. If we are considering the Nain Rouge to be a specialized Lutton, and the Luttons were those French of French folklore, I I saw the, the Luttons, Angel, they're they're pretty OP, pretty overpowered. <laughs> I can't remember what episode it was, but the, the guy who wrote Mothman brought up in a book and they described how he concluded 
that something was a demonological elemental. <laughs> it might have been the Lizard Man episode, I think, maybe something like that. I feel like this is what he meant when he uh, said the words demonological elemental. Luttons apparently can become invisible at will, can cross in one moment the vast space of the universe, rise without wings, pass through rock, and survive in the water without needing to breathe. So, Angel, let me reiterate, they don't need to breathe, can become invisible, and they can teleport across the universe. <laughs> if they don't... The universe. <laughs> if they don't need to breathe underwater, do they not breathe at all? Or I guess they can just choose not to breathe underwater? I don't know. Like, I think we need to dive deep into... Uh... To Ho- Lutton lore. Hobgoblins, Luttons, <laughs> all these things. And just map out their genealogical mm-hmm. <laughs> histories. Add to that the innate Nain Rouge power to cast Doom upon <laughs> those at once, apparently. It can apparently go through burning buildings and not be burned. So I suppose it's impervious to fire. No one I know tried to shoot it. So we don't know if it's impervious to bullets. It jumped off a telephone pole. So I guess it has supreme dexterity as it landed and rolled away and ran away. I guess it was just doing that for fun. <laughs> like, what the hell is the, the, the telephone pole thing going on? It just goes up and jumps off of it. I had to give this thing a four. How about then the detectability of the Nain Rouge? Uh, so detectability, I, I feel like it, it's only seen when it wants to be seen. So it's it's and and when it's seen, it's like oh no, something bad's gonna happen. So and 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 the th- the bad thing that happens is it could be either death or just some like a, a rock in my shoe. <laughs> it's like the brownies. Like it's gonna be a boggart and ruin your life, or uh, it's gonna eat honey and cream in your corner of your house. So. I think uh, I was wrestling with what to give it for detectability because it only shows itself when it when I guess when something bad's gonna happen. So I don't know if that's it controlling that it can be seen then, or it just happens to be a, a property of the name Rouge that people can see it when something bad's gonna happen, and he can't doesn't have control over that. I gave it a two point seventy five. Mm-hmm. For me, this is a this is a Mothman scenario, Angel. Red eyes and all. You see it, and bad things happen, which begs the idea that this thing will, uh, that things will retroactively be applied to it. So I think that hurts it even more. Like people, like the telephone pole, <laughs> like that had to have been the the Nain Rouge. Mm-hmm. So I landed uh, for de- detectability a one point seven five. How Yikes. about the? The lore of the Nanru. The lore. So, again, I was conflicted with this one because just focusing on the Nanru, it's very localized. Even though it's a very Mm -hmm. French name and a lot of French names behind the origins of it. It's localized to um, Le Détroit. And there's not much about it other than those stories that get attributed to it, especially the modern ones where, you know, the earth shook must have been the name Rouge. <laughs> but at the same time, 
there is deeper lore if we explore the grander scheme of these creatures. So I I just took a page out of my detectability book and said 2.75. Not bad. Not bad at all. I, I personally really enjoy the story of Cadillac and how this thing is like tied to the entire lore of the city. Oh, the whole fortune teller thing is really fun to me. The idea of it being tied to other significant historical events is also pretty neat. Those always get high points to me when uh, it gets tied into those things. Probably almost certainly retroactively to those situations, <laughs> but it's fun when things like that occur. And again, the whole uh, Cadillac and Pontiac stuff makes this all seem like it's one big joke, but <laughs> it's not. Um, so on top of that, so I give it a 3.25 for Lore and Mystique. So how about the cunning of the Nanru? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cunning. Uh, this, I mean, yeah, this thing is a prankster and it knows what it's doing. And it also can be aggressive when it needs to be or when it wants to be. The only thing that's keeping me from giving it the high marks is simply that I don't know why. Why it does these things. Mm-hmm. Is it just the There's no purpose. the nature of uh, of a uh, Luton or Lutton or whatever the hell, however you say mm-hmm. it, or is I mean everyone seems to assume that the Nain Rouge is one of them, but is it? <laughs> uh, and the story just said they knew it migrated to the New World. <laughs> like, how do you know that? <laughs> um, so I gave it a three in intelligence. Uh, this thing seems like an agent of chaos. To me, it, it, it does as it pleases, but I don't know sometimes if it's on purpose, really. Like, it is, is it intentionally making people be in a horrible, horrible situation, or is it just that people happen to see it, and the act of that puts bad luck upon you, and, and the entity's not trying to do that? It's, is, is the Nain Rouge uh, cursed with some sort of um, bad luck aura? <laughs> and it's, it's not his fault, damn it. So it's difficult, in my opinion, to determine that without more information. So I give the cunning and intelligence a 2.8. <laughs> and finally, the pop culture of the Nehru. The pop culture. I uh, mentioned it before. It's a pretty localized thing if we just focus on the Nain Rouge. It sounds like it's a big thing in Detroit, though. Yeah, this is like Mothman in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it gets a two all this time through how many episodes my push to find beer related things to these entities has paid off angel as the Wikipedia page outlines itself, this, it all of it perfectly Detroit beer company, a brew pub in downtown Detroit has its signature brew, a Detroit dwarf lager named in honor of the name Rouge. In 2015, Woodbury Wine, a distributor and wholesaler of fine wines and Kindred Vines Import Company, an importer of French and Italian wines, both based out of the metro Detroit area, introduced Nain Rouge Red, a French red wine blend named after the Nain Rouge Dwarf. There's even a brewing company that I found called Nain Rouge on the untapped app, and there is even a Nain Rouge Absinthe. So, wow. Wow. 
There is the March de Nain Rouge, which is pretty fun. That's the big parade in the springtime. Uh, again, the guy rides a, a cockroach car, so that's a thing. I don't know why. I didn't read up enough about that to understand it. But then there's also a comic that came out in recent years uh, detailing the exploits of the Nain Rouge. That's pretty neat. So I gave it a uh, 2.5 in impact on pop culture. So where did you land for your score of the... Uh, uh, 13.5. And I was at a 14.3. So that puts the Nain Rouge at a combined score in the rubric of power, a 13.9. Wow. 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 <laughs> Just be, just, be, well, it's not just below, but it's right below the brownie. Wow, that's pretty surprising. What, what did the brownie get again? 14.25. Mm, very close. Um, close for the Divergent Fae Folk. <laughs> Let's see what the next Divergent Fae Folk gives us. <laughs> Two Fae Folk and very highly scored. Very impressive for them. I think, uh, I think the Fae Folk are, are the high scorers. Well, they got a good. Uh, they got a good mix of intelligence and power. I mean, that's pretty much all you need to get a, a pretty good score. Bastards. They're too good. I mean, teleporting across the universe. <laughs> Could he teleport into parallel universes? Could he teleport forty year wide <laughs> holes <laughs> to the USS Aldridge? <laughs> Go back to ten thousand BC on Mars. <laughs> Find the dark energy. Could the could the Nain Rouge find the switch behind the Sphinx's ear? I forgot about that. <laughs> oh man, that that hasn't happened. Um, no, that kid. What a shame. So, uh, here's a question: It has red eyes. It can potentially fly if it's a Luton. Could the Mothman have been the Nain Rouge? I was. I, I had thought about that. Because uh, when I, when the whole uh, impending doom thing, I, I, the more I learn about these things, the more I'm of the belief that all these states that have their own special cryptids, I think it's all the same one. It just goes traveling mm -hmm. around. It's making its tour. It's trying to get all of its state quarters. Yep. I think it's, uh, I think it doesn't know what it is. And so it, it wants to go around these different states and possibly the rest of the globe to freak to see what other people what names the other people come up with and see if it fits what mm -hmm. he believes he is it's like my mothman maybe am i the nain rouge mm -hmm. mm. am i the mongolian death form i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. he's got uh poor confidence in himself <laughs> or he's looking for a lot of akas <laughs> Or that'll be the ultimate entity, the Akka everything. Akka everything. <laughs> yep. Thus fulfilling the prophecy. Le now rouge. No, that's not right. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> le nerf rouge is put to bed in le detroit, so the rest of you can get on Twitter and tweet at us at cracking curios. Make sure to tweet at us with the hashtag at. Uh, hashtag crap cryptids most especially we gotta give a shout out to one of our curiosities who reached out to us thank you to at ophiliac we made her laugh 
and we're glad we did. Follow us on tw- on Instagram <laughs> at Cracking Cryptids. You may notice that there has not been any activity for some time, but I promised you this: there will be some coming in the near future. We have an email. Um, it's collecting dust and cobwebs, but if you feel the need to send stuff there, you can send it at crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. We're a podcast show. We're on podcast platforms. I think you know that. I mean, if you're hearing this voice, that means you're listening to us on a platform that hosts this show. But in case you just found us, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're on because we're on that one and tell your friends tell your friends about us because we're pretty awesome we think as always bonsoir This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. The worst hellscape is no more Hollywood. <laughs>